afternoon. You are listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and podcasting on Spotify and iTunes. I'm Kareem Mosna. Kingston City Council held a special meeting last Wednesday on addressing the situation with the encampment pilot project and homelessness in Kingston. The meeting was over six hours long, and as CAO Lainey Hurdle presented her recommendations, she referred to it as the most challenging file she has led, because this is something we can't solve alone. In the end, Council voted in favor of no sanctioned encampment on private property. They also voted to reallocate $358,000 of potential encampment funding to instead support other forms of housing, and to develop a plan with social services partners and Kingston Police for gradual relocation of the unhoused who are currently living on public property. Councillor Wayne Hill shared some insight and stressed the need for provincial and federal support for this issue. We know how incredibly difficult it is when the time comes to shut these camps down. So it's not really a short-term solution either, and it creates such animosity in the community uh, between you know, different, different groups who are advocating for, for, for homeless people as they rightfully should, as we rightfully should. And people who are, are saying, look, at this is really having an impact on our lives, on the lives of people who live near the ICH, on the lives of business people primarily in the downtown, on the lives of people who use the parks on a regular basis. So it's, it's, it's really uh, a, a difficult uh, situation. I think, though, that uh, what, what we heard was, you know, we need to use funding, and now that we've approved some funding, to look at things like st- stabilization housing, uh, low barrier housing opportunities, transitional uh, accommodation, rent subsidies. There's just so many options that we can, can take a look at. But really, we're abrogating our responsibility if we don't say that we can house all of our citizens. And, you know, 100%, uh, I think it was Councillor McLaren who said this, 100%. Where is the federal government? Where is the provincial government on these issues? We need the support of those levels of government. You know, we cannot do this alone. As as CEO Hurdle said, we spent nearly $18 million in in two years trying to address this problem. That's a substantial contribution from the local community. We need more of a contribution from the federal government and the provincial government because it's way too easy for them to say well we gave them some money we you know they make the announcement the same announcement three or four times right as if it's new money and in reality it isn't new money and uh and then they walk away and say well you know the cities have been given money and they're obviously able to accommodate them because they're you know people can sleep in tents well i just don't think that's a reasonable option for any city any community and it's certainly isn't a reasonable option for this community. We have an obligation to house our citizens. We have an obligation to do the very best that we can to, to, to manage that, to provide the support services that are required. All of those things uh, cost money. Mental health support is a health issue, and that's a provincial issue. We have to force, along with other municipalities across the province of Ontario, we have to force people at the next level of government to make the appropriate contribution to support us to do what needs to be done. But, we, but, but, but a solution to that is not having people live in encampments. That is not a solution. Mayor Brian Patterson says, as a member of the 29 Ontario Big City Mayor Caucus, this was the number one issue in all 29 municipalities. 
we have all sorts of other priorities and we all agreed this is number one. So we have asked for an emergency meeting with the Premier to discuss this issue because as we have said around this table, this is not just a housing issue, this is primarily a healthcare issue that is not being managed by the province. And here we are spending millions of dollars and it's not fixing the problem. It's not efficient, it's not sustainable. So to your point, Councillor Bone, we agreed as municipalities that we would all do what we can to elevate this to be a provincial issue. So that means every single one of us around this table and every single mayor and councillor at all the other cities in Ontario all elevating this, all with one voice saying, we need the province to move on this issue. We need funding. We need a strategy. We need transitional and supportive housing. We need more mental health uh, care services. We need these pieces and we cannot solve this issue alone. Council also amended the encampment protocol, reducing the notice time given uh, to the unhoused being moved from 48 hours to just six hours. Themes from the delegates who presented in the earlier part of the meeting expressed concern and compassion for the unhoused and vulnerable populations as a key message and to find preventative solutions so low-income people don't find themselves homeless. There was also a number of safety concerns for tourists and workers brought up by several delegates with regards to the homeless and encampments in certain areas. Council also voted in favor to execute an agreement with Don House to temporarily use the West Wing at 805 Ridley Drive to provide housing for an additional 17 women and children. Delegates earlier in the meeting pushed for this motion to take women and children out of encampment sites. The next council meeting is scheduled for July 12th. In related news, the Ontario government has capped rent increases at 2.5% for 2023. This is the maximum amount a landlord can increase rent without approval of the Landlord and Tenant Board. Minister of Municipal Affairs Stephen Clark says, As Ontario families face the rising costs of living, our government is providing stability and predictability to the vast majority of tenants by capping the rent increase guideline below inflation at 2.5%. With rising inflation, rent could have risen 5.3%. The city is looking for your input on proposed amendments to the purchasing bylaw. The bylaw outlines how the municipality purchases goods and services. The proposed changes were developed by leading experts and would modernize the city's current bylaw to ensure compliance with trade treaties, provide more flexible approaches to procurement, and incorporate sustainable and environmental considerations when evaluating supplier proposals. The survey is available now at the Get Involved Kingston website. The deadline is this Friday, July 8th at 4 p.m. All feedback will be compiled in a report and presented to the city's Administrative Policies Committee in the fall. Wait times have been long for surgical operations through the Kingston Health Sciences Centre. Thousands are currently sitting on wait lists with some having to wait over a year for quality of life procedures. However, Dr. Rami Nitsch, a medical director of perioperative services, is optimistic that things are improving. Here's my conversation with Dr. Nitsch. And the reason why uh, I initiated this conversation is a colleague of mine informed me that, you know, he had to wait over a year and a half to have a uh, surgical procedure. Is this uh, common right now, given the strain on the system? So as has been well, um, 
talked about in the media across the hospitals uh, in the province of Ontario, staffing is very challenged right now. Our, our staffing was challenged uh, in the surgical program at KHSC prior to the pandemic, but the pandemic uh, further challenged that. And as we noticed it coming, we, we invested uh, quite a significant amount of uh, time and finances into uh, training, orientation and retention. And so our staffing situation in the surgical program is actually looking very good right now. Okay, so, so things are actually improving as we speak. In the surgical program. Okay. Uh, there is, however, still, you know, as we talked about earlier, um, still a, a long wait list uh, for people who are looking to get procedures done right now. That's correct. So during the pandemic, Ontario Health um, mandated several time periods where the procedure-based specialties had to ramp down. And as such, um, we were only able to address um, urgent time-sensitive procedures like cancer procedures, traumas, cardiac procedures. So many quality of life procedures got put on hold. Examples of that would be orthopedic uh, joint surgeries, uh, gynecological procedures for bleeding or incontinence. There would be many procedures across the disciplines that um, experienced significant growth and wait lists. Um, and so it, it definitely has worsened over the last two years. And we're quite challenged right now with, with thousands of patients sitting on the wait list. Um, what, what, what do you think can help improve the current situation? I think we need to think about the future of surgical planning in an innovative and collaborative approach. So some of the things that we're doing at KHSC um, as you know, uh, we chatted that we have two official sites, the Hotel Du Hospital and the Kingston um, Hospital site. We're actually going to be increasing uh, rooms at our ambulatory surgical center. So that will allow us to push through some of those volumes that I talked about. We've opened uh, new surgical units um, that will allow us to handle uh, overflow of patients. We're looking at uh, improved uh, recovery processes so that we can get patients home um, in a better condition uh, faster. Um, we have virtual monitoring at home. We're looking at innovative technologies that will help uh, improve procedure time and length of stay. We will continue to look at different staffing models and opportunities. We're also looking at offsite surgical centers uh, for example, uh, we've opened uh, um, additional rooms at a place called Focus Eye, which will allow us to address some of the cataract volumes. So I think it's really looking at every and all possibilities that will allow us to, you know, treat uh, the, the greatest number of patients in our community um, safely and uh, address the surgical backlog. Okay, so there are things that are currently being done and things that are being explored to, to help solve uh, th this issue right now. Yeah, we work on it every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to get your thoughts. I, I know just recently uh, the alternate uh, hospital uh, for those medically stable and non-COVID related, um, I know that was recently shut down. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. Are you talking about the field hospital? That's correct, yeah. 
Yeah, so the, the, the intention of the field hospital was really to handle patient volumes if we were to have a significant COVID surge at KHSC. Although we had some times where we had uh, increased number of patients with COVID, we never got to a point where we had to use that facility. But my understanding is that there was a lot of investment of equipment um, into that facility, and it's going to go to good use. It just sounds like just to sum it up, it's uh, solutions are constantly being brainstormed and things are being tried and uh, and things are in terms of the staffing situation, it, it's 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 actually uh, doing well at this point. Yeah, I think we're feeling optimistic that, you know, by addressing uh, staffing and taking some innovative approaches, we really are going to be able to address the needs of our uh, community and the larger region with which we serve. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Rami. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. You are listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, CFRC.ca, and on podcast. I'm Kareem Mosna, and now I'm happy to turn things over to our arts news coordinator, Christina Lowry, to find out about what's going on in the uh, local arts scene. If you happen to walk by Novel ID on Princess Street Friday night, you may have caught the mysterious projections accompanied by music. The projection displayed through the shop window depicted images of swimmers coming from all directions. I spoke with some folks passing by to give you a picture of the scene. Would you like to describe the scene here at Novel Idea on Canada Day? Yeah, so there's a um, projection of some kind happening in the window, um, and it looks like there's just a bunch of people swimming all together. Um, it's fascinating because they kind of come in from the different sides and like cross each other and then fade out onto this vague blank screen. Um, I wonder where it was filmed. Would you like to describe the text and the sounds sort of accompanying it? Yeah, um, I'm not very good at describing music, but it's a kind of really cool ambient uh, music that's on loop. Um, The text is backwards, um, and it appears very shortly. So would you like to describe the scene here at Novel Idea on Canada Day? Well, I'd like to, but to be honest, I don't really know what I'm looking at here. I'm sort of, I'm looking into the bottom of an aquarium of some sort in a shop window. I don't know. I've seen something similar to this once before, like at an outdoor event with some live music, but this is uh, far more experimental and leaves much more to be interpreted, I think. This is maybe part of something bigger and... uh, I don't know. I just have to keep looking around for more stuff about it, I guess. In those clips, you may have also noticed some ambient music accompanying the visual art piece. Here's a bit of a clear clip of the sounds folks who walked by heard. So this was the first sighting like this, but it may not be the last, so be sure to keep your eye out for any unexplained projections around Kingston. The local arts residency has returned to the Kingston Grand Theatre. The city is thrilled to announce and celebrate seven local artists who will bring their creative talent to the local arts residency at the Kingston Grand Theatre this summer. This was first launched in 2021 in response to the pandemic and its impact on the performing arts, but now the local arts residency has become an annual program delivered by the city's Arts and Culture Services Department. It provides space and support to Kingston artists to explore ideas, create, and nurture new directions in their work. 
The 2022 artists in residence are Jan LeClaire from July 4th to 8th, and that's in the Regina Rosen Auditorium. And then it's Melissa Noventa and Zara Bedouin Buffo from July 4th to 8th in the Baby Grand. Then it is Lydia Wilton from July 11th to 15th in the Regina Rosen Auditorium. And Sophia Vibili, Zoe Sweet, and Sarah Kitts from July 11th to 15th in the Baby Grand. This year, 32 applications were submitted through an open call for proposals, and the artists in residence were selected by a jury consisting of professionals presented through the city's grant onstage program, and included Franco Bonnie, Miss Emily, and Crazy Smooth. If you wanted to keep up with the residencies, they will be documented through photography and videography and shared on the city's website and social media channels to provide a behind-the-scenes look at the 2022 artists in residence. As the Agnes Ethering Arts Center prepares for both their closure and re-emergence at the end of 2022, they're integrating a program that reflects the process of transformation and change. Exhibitions guiding Agnes's rehoming include Brown Butter, running until July 10th. This exhibition is a conversation between Black Canadian artists and is presented as a six-week multidisciplinary exhibition by gastro curator Berlin Reed. Six creative partnerships create an immersive experience through installations, performances, events, and more. Another exhibition running until July 10th is Hidden Currents. For the past 20 years, the Coroner Artist-in-Residence program has brought leading Canadian artists to Queen's for periods of engagement with students, faculty, and the Kingston community. So, this exhibition brings together a selection of prints produced during these residencies to consider the relationship between art practice and artist-led pedagogy. As this is the first time works are available to the public, it offers a glimpse of the history of collaboration between Queen's students, faculty, and various Canadian artists. Also bridging the transition Agnes is undergoing is an exhibition entitled Transformations. Agnes's Stonecraft Foundation artist-in-residence, along with guest graffiti artists, are engaged in a project which culminates in a site-specific commission for the exterior facades of Agnes's current facility. Transformations remains until the construction for Agnes Reimagined begins in summer 2023. For more info on all these exhibitions and more, you can head to agnes.queensu.ca. After a two-year-long hiatus, ArtFest returned to Kingston over the Canada Day long weekend. Not only was it exciting for it to return, but this year also marks the 10-year anniversary of the festival. Lori McDonald, the festival's organizer, said that planning got underway in January when she realized there might be a chance for a summer festival. McDonald does the vast majority of the planning herself before a team of roughly 30 joins her for the setup and three-day operation of the festival. This year, the festival has faced some unforeseen challenges as partners from previous years are experiencing staffing shortages and equipment has also become hard to come by during the holiday weekend. McDonald noted that rental companies even told her every single extension cord in the city has been spoken for, leading ArtFest to source equipment from places like Ottawa and Toronto. In spite of these challenges and the challenge of getting back into the headspace to organize a festival after two years, the festival went on without a hitch, with 150 artists involved over the three-day long weekend. I spoke with just a few artisans who gave some details on the work they brought to share, their businesses, and their experiences at ArtFest. All right, hello, would you like to tell us what you're selling here today? Hi, I'm selling indigenous art such as beadwork, quillwork, sweetgrass, and um, I'm an indigenous artist at the Red Bell, J. Bell Redbird Pavilion. Fantastic, and you were just telling me something really interesting about your name. Would you like to explain that to folks? We named the pavilion after J. Bell Redbird, who was the artist, the indigenous artist that started the pavilion at the Arts Fest a few years ago. 
and we are here to honor him because he's no longer with us and we we named the pavilion after him so that we could carry on with what he started and his very important legacy that's so lovely and is this your first time at art fest it is not i think it's my second or third i can't remember awesome yeah well great to have you guys back after two years off so I'm here with one of our vendors. Would you like to describe what you're selling here today? Absolutely. My name is Yolanda, and I make homemade reusable jowl candles. They're clean burning, and they're reusable. So after they burn for 50 hours, you don't throw our candles in the garbage. You either use a tea light, or you order a refill kit online, and you can refill your candles. So reuse, recycle, no landfill, and no garbage. Fantastic, and I just I wish people could see them right now because they look so beautiful. How do you get this look? So this is an this is an orange candle, and it smells like fresh oranges. We buy the oranges from the grocery, we cut them, we dehydrate them, and we put them in the candle. So cool! And what's the name of your business? The name of the business is Jalmania Candles, and we're known as the home of the reusable candles. So that was Naomi Smith, who is an indigenous artist and educator, and some artisans who traveled into Kingston to showcase their sustainable candles. I also had the pleasure of checking in with some of the performers and organizers at Blue Canoe Productions, who are letting folks know what they're up to this summer. So I'm here with the folks from Blue Canoe. Would you like to tell us about what you guys are promoting here today? So we're promoting our summer musical, which is Footloose, and it's running from August 4th to the 13th. Is that open to the public? Yeah, that's open to the public. Um, tickets are going to be going on sale soon, and you can check out Blue Canoe on Facebook or Instagram for details about that. Fantastic, and you're also just telling me about your upcoming workshops. Did you want to talk a bit about that? Um, we have a performance intensive July 5th to July 22nd for ages 8 to 12, and also ages 13 to 17. And um, there's a pro production and leadership intensive for ages 13 to 17. And also the Teddy Bear Picnic, which is a summer social, on July 13th at 6. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much. As you just heard from the folks at Blue Canoe, they have lots of workshops and shows coming up this summer. Again, their 2022 musical is Footloose and will be playing at Convocation Hall on August 4th to 13th. Tickets will go on sale soon, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. Also in the realm of theater, Driftwood Theater is bringing outdoor entertainment to Kingston this summer. They're presenting King Henry V as a free performance at Lions Civic Gardens on July 15th. King Henry V celebrates the theater company's return to live performance with a bold reworking of three Shakespeare plays. Performed by only five actors, King Henry V is a powerful story about community, the families we inherit, and those we choose, as well as the legacies we leave behind. Committed to bringing theater to places people love, Driftwood Theater will perform this show at the Lion Civic Gardens, which is located behind the Kingston Frontenac Public Library's Isabel Turner branch. So again, the event is on July 15th, and that's from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m., and you can reserve free tickets at TicketTaylor.com. In music news, Rock in the Square, presented by City of Kingston, is back with Juno Award-winning and Polaris Music Prize-winning artist Havaya Mighty on July 29th. Havaya Mighty is a hip-hop artist from Brampton, and she spent her life developing skills as a songwriter, vocalist, producer, and performer. In 2019, she earned breakout success with her album 13th Floor, making her the first hip-hop artist and the first black woman to win the Polaris Music Prize, celebrating the best Canadian album of the year. She continued on to make a Juno Award-winning mixtape, Stock Exchange, in November of 2021, and made history again as the first woman to ever win within the Rap Album of the Year category. 
Havaya pushes forward, continuing to boldly defy gendered expectations for women in hip-hop. On July 29th, community members of all ages are invited to Springer Market Square for an exciting and free live performance from Havia Mighty. The show will start at 8 p.m. This year, Rockin' in the Square is also aligned with the city's commitment to recognizing Emancipation Day on August 1st. The city, working with Kingston residents and community partners, will be announcing additional programming in the coming weeks organized around the themes of remembrance and resilience, intended to educate, celebrate, and reflect on this day and what freedom means. Music in the Park kicked off a few weeks ago and is still going strong. There will be over 60 free outdoor concerts in total this summer, and there are lots of options to catch a variety of live music. There's the Lunchtime Series running Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays from 12.30 to 1.30 in Confederation Park. There's Downtown Country on Thursdays from 7 to 8 p.m. in Confederation Park. And Big Band Friday from 7 to 8 p.m. in the Courtyard in Springer Market Square. There's also Sounds on Sydenham Saturdays from 1.30 to 2.30. That'll be on Sydenham Street at Princess. And there will also be live kid-friendly shows called Silly Sounds on Sydenham every Saturday morning at 10.30. So be sure to catch some live music this summer downtown. Here at CFRC, we're celebrating our 100th anniversary with a centennial concert coming up at the end of July. We have a great lineup of local musicians with Hinterwood, Melancholy Caravan, Frank Ryan, and the Codas performing. That'll be on Friday, July 29th. Doors open at 8 p.m. and show starts at 9 you can get tickets in advance on Eventbrite for $15 or $20 cash at the door. That's all I have for you today, but thanks for tuning in to this week's Arts News Updates on CFRC 101.9 FM. The outlook for the weather this week? Well, if you like it warm, you're going to be happy. Looks like a cloudy day in store for tomorrow with a high 26, humid at 32. Uh, sun and clouds Wednesday again, a high 26. Same story for Thursday. Could get up to 27 by Friday under a mix of sun and cloud. So definitely a, a summer week in store as we kick off July. With the return of Buster's Fest this Thursday through Sunday, there will be some closures. From 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. right through Thursday through Sunday, Market Street from Ontario to King is closed. From Thursday to Saturday between 12.45 and 3.30, Princess from Baguette to Wellington is closed. And from 2.45 to 5.15 Thursday to Saturday, Sydenham from Princess to Queen is closed. Thursday evening from 5.30 to 11, Ontario Street from Brock to Johnson will be closed. And Lower Union Street from Ontario to King will be closed starting today, July 4th, right through August 12th to replace gas mains and services in the area. Thank you for listening to The Scoop this week on CFRC 101.9 FM, broadcasting from Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee people. You can find previous episodes of The Scoop by going to cfrc.ca.